0: Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now.
1: Hey everyone. Hey, Heal Squad with Maria Menunos fans. It's me, Mr. Maria Menunos, obviously summing in for my beautiful and talented wife, here with Kelsey Alexandra Meyer. Kelsey should we start with our quote of the day
2: i think we should kev are you ready for this this Um, is from our guest today sarah baldwin she said there there are things you were brought here to do only you can do them and your healing is how they will happen
1: it all happens through healing thank you sarah life coach sarah baldwin what why don't you give us the intro on her? Because it. it's, it's she's far more than just a life coach. Not that she's yeah. just a life coach, but you know what I'm saying.
2: So Sarah is a somatic experiencing practitioner and a trauma trained life coach. So having experienced trauma in her own childhood, she learned to overcome it and now wants to help others do the same. So she really helps us learn how she l- helps us learn about the different parts of the nervous system and how to regulate it. And that is chef's kiss. She's so, she's so um, smart and trained and well versed in that area, and I'm excited, Kev, because we've never really yeah. talked
1: about that. No, well, when you really learn about how much your nervous system is really controlling your reactions to things, whether you freeze, whether you react like a crazy Italian, me, <laughs> you, you, your nervous system is what's doing this, and it's 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 been trained by your traumas. But then there is a way to retrain it, so you're 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 responding. Uh, better to crises or things you perceive as traumas. So um, it's uh, it's going to be another long interview, two parts. Uh, so I just want to you know have your notebook out, be ready. Uh, but um, but I think this is key information. I really do, and uh, I hope you guys agree. And uh, if you do, please let us know in the comments in the YouTube section. Also, uh, really be nice to get a five star rating over on Apple Podcasts and uh, a review uh that's positive it says, says nice things about Kelsey <laughs> but yeah it all um all helps us uh get to where we need to be so with that being said let's uh let's start with part one of our interview with sarah Baldwin and then um we'll be back for a little uh little exit little recap of part one as well. Sarah Baldwin, I'm here, of course, Mr. Maria Menounos with uh, my co-host, Kelsey. Um, we're all very traumatized by the rain. And um, let's talk about how to heal these traumas because, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 here's what I get, Sarah. I get that everyone has them. Mm-hmm. I respect that everyone has them. I respect that somebody's small trauma to me might be great to them. I get all that. What the heck do we do with it? Because it, it's now at an epidemic level. So I guess we start there, Sarah, and then you just tell us how to fix it in the next few minutes.
3: (laughs) Okay, well, this is going to be... Well, everyone's life in an hour. So here we go, everybody. I'm so glad you're listening because this is going to change your entire life. Well, it it actually (laughs) does in all seriousness. So here's the thing about trauma. It, uh, As uh, one of my mentors and friends, Bessel van der Kolk says, the body keeps the score, meaning it lives in our bodies. And so the challenge that we run into is that like all of the books on my shelves, the first the first impulse that people have is I'll go read a book about it or I'll talk about it or I'll um, you know um, go to talk therapy even, which has a lot of benefit. But when it comes to trauma, all of that is everything I just described is cognitive, meaning we're using our prefrontal cortex or our thinking brain to try to rationalize our way into understanding our trauma and resolving our trauma. And the trouble with that is The system that is responsible for um, how we experience trauma and re-experience trauma lives in our bodies. It's it's called subcortical. uh, And it's our autonomic nervous system. And this system that lives within every single person, it doesn't speak a verbal language because the language of the body is somatics. And that just means the felt sense. So it's just important to name that, you know, like, for example, lots of people know the book Attached. Uh, some of your listeners might know the book attached. So you read about it and you're like, oh, I get, oh, I get that. How I relate to other human beings. It all makes sense. We have a lot of aha moments, but then we just go back into our lives and the same habituated patterns happen again and again. The same things that trigger us, trigger us again and again, and it doesn't actually bring any resolution. So what we have to first do is understand the system that is responsible for protecting us when traumas occur. And that is, That is, if we're experiencing dysregulation, uh, chronically working or keeping us safe. We have to understand that system because we can't change what we don't understand. And then we have to learn to speak the language of it, which, again, is somatics, not a verbal language. To give a really simple example, if someone, let's say someone listening, (laughs) which is really all of us, has an experience where you feel anxious about something and you try to tell yourself, just calm down. There's nothing to be anxious about. There's nothing to worry about. And you notice that it doesn't actually make you feel calmer. In fact, a lot of the time, our anxiety just continues to build. And that is because I'm trying to speak a verbal language to a system that doesn't understand one. If So far, if that, does that make sense in terms of how we need to, to, to begin resolving trauma? It can't happen cognitively. And I think something I think is really interesting and problematic with mental health is it's a little archaic in the sense that if I have a medical issue and I have, let's say I have an eye issue, um, But I I go to see a cardiologist for my eye issue. What's going to happen is I'm going to get really great heart surgery, maybe the best cardiologist in the world. They give me great heart surgery and they come back and say the surgery went really well. And I say, but I still have an eye issue. And what occurs, the, the reason I use that analogy is because in mental health, if I have a problem in my emotional world, in my emotional life, I might, you know, either look up my insurance and see what who, who what therapists there are, or I Google best therapist. I go to psychology today, and I will likely get a talk therapist. And there's benefit to that, but it's not a catch-all. So the problem is, it's like going to a talk therapist for trauma or a ner- dysregulated nervous system is like going to a really good cardiologist when you have an eye issue.
1: Got it. So, but but can we go to the talk therapist to identify at least to identify that there is a trauma, maybe that's, it's the beginning of the process because some of us are carrying traumas. We don't realize we have, right? Like there's, there's, I think a lot of people don't realize these instances that happened in their childhood or in their past have actually traumatized them. I think most people just power through because we're taught to. Um, So maybe the, the talk therapy is that, and I know, I know you do a lot with, and we're going to continue to, I want to continue to get into how to zap it out of the nervous system. But I also like want to, can we define somatic therapy? Because I know that's a big thing for you and that's somewhat talk therapy. But I personally would love to know because I keep hearing that. I know my wife uses it and I know a lot of her friends use it. They like, know you need a somatic therapist. You need a somatic therapist. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, what is the difference between that and talk therapy? Because I've heard Maria in her sessions um, talking to the somatic therapist So help me with that because I feel like that's another gateway into the nervous system. What you're about to say,
3: yeah. So, so of course, talk therapy has so so much benefit to it, and I'm not saying at all that we shouldn't. No, by
1: the way, I agree with you. I just yeah, I want I want to help give us a map. To, to, get, yeah. to help our listeners get there, help me get there, yeah. you know, so we'll go so continue. Second,
3: second component, uh, which is somatic therapy, which is necessary to regulate our nervous systems and certainly to address trauma. So somatic therapy, in essence, is this. The foundation of it is first, we have to start building capacity in our nervous system again. So that means bringing our nervous system into regulation. And we can only do that through the felt sense, meaning we can't cognitively talk our way into that. There are specific interventions and and therapeutic tools that we want to use to begin regulating our nervous systems. So we can't go back and resolve traumas or or we wouldn't want to do this, go back and try to dig up traumas without having regulation of, of our nervous system at least enough that I'm in the driver's seat of the vehicle. So I I think of our nervous systems as like, it's a vehicle we inhabit. When we, be, when we experience traumas that have not resolved uh, for a number of reasons, uh, what transpires is our nervous system thinks that that thing is still happening or could happen at any given moment. As a result, we experience chronic dysregulation. And so somatic therapy first and foremost is teaching us how do I begin showing, not telling my nervous system that I am safe and I am here. And so there, and we can get into the different ways in which we do that, therapeutic ways we do that, but that's the foundation of, of somatic interventions and somatic therapy. Now, once I'm in the driver's seat of this nervous system, meaning like I'm in control of it. Now I can go back to the traumatic experiences and make them different in the here and now, which is really fascinating. So trauma resolution is state dependent. And that simply means that we have to go back to the state or the felt sense experience of what it was like to have that thing happen. And then it's really fascinating. Our organism, our bodies are waiting to do what they couldn't do back then in the here and now. So let's say I had something occur. Um, Let's say I was chronically bullied at school and I couldn't get away which could be rendered as trauma for some folks. So once I have control of my nervous system, then we can go back to that experience and let our bodies do in the here and now what they couldn't do back then, which might mean I might start to feel in my body, whoa, I feel anger coming up. I feel rage coming up. I feel like I just want to push away. And so we would let their system actually push away or fight back so that they can actually come, what's called complete the experience. And it gets imprinted on our psyche as over, meaning I actually made it different. I was able to get away. I was able to speak up. I was able to use my voice. I was able to fill in the blank. And then our systems actually respond as if it's complete and over. The result of that is the things we were, we used to be dysregulated around in our adult lives, we no longer are. So the past can actually be the past instead of a perpetual present if that makes sense. It's very complex, the trauma resolution work, but uh, but that's really the order of how we do things with somatic work. We wouldn't just go back and dig up uh, a parent's divorce or abuse or neglect without having the capacity to make it different, because otherwise, because then what occurs is we just get re-traumatized, meaning we re-experience it. it the way we experienced it then.
1: So we identify what the trauma is, but before we go back, then we do the work to prepare that's to right. be able to go back because when we're finally prepared when our bodies are prepared then fixing it is by going back but now in this new state being able to resolve it okay so so i guess it's the middle part for me how do you know how do you prepare your clients mm-hmm. your people to get yeah. them there and how long is that usually i know it's hard to say i'm sure it takes some people longer than others but let's start with what yeah what would you do to prepare the, yeah you know? so-
3: yeah. So first, I just want to say this, this preparation that I'm talking about or building our capacity and bringing regulation to our nervous system, it is part of trauma resolution. So I don't want anyone listening to think like, oh, I have to do this and then I do my trauma work. No, this mm-hmm. is.
0: humidity, we've got sun, we've got all kinds of things. And sometimes it's hard to find the right shampoo for your hair. Everyone's hair is so different and there's no one size fits all solution. That's why I love whey. They have different shampoos depending on your hair type. Want volume? Fine hair and conditioner will give you that extra oomph you need. If you need some moisture and a little extra bounce, find your happy medium with medium shampoo and conditioner. And for my peeps with thick hair like me, give your hair the hydration it deserves with thick hair shampoo and conditioner. Plus, you guys already know, Way carries some of my favorite hair care products I use all the time, whether it's the leave-in conditioner, which is my go-to, or the hair oil. They give my hair this hydrating refresh all summer long. Wash your way to healthier hair. <laughs> See what I did there? With shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to The Whey, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Squad for 15% off your entire purchase. That's the way.com, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Use the code Hill Squad. Your hair deserves it. We can
3: only experience that with a regulated nervous system. So first, if you don't mind, I just want to explain to, to folks about this system within us yeah, because please. we have to understand it in order to change it. So something I think is so strange is we learn about solar systems, outer space, black holes. Uh, state capitals, and yet no one teaches us about the system within us that is literally responsible for every experience, how we experience everything in our lives. So our thoughts, our behaviors, our actions, our feelings, the sensations we have, the way I experience myself, others and the world around me is a direct result of what is happening in something called our autonomic nervous system. So it literally affects everything. And it's just fascinating we don't learn about this system within us that is responsible for our ability to live the life we desire or not, to be happy or not, to step into our purpose or not, to have the relationships we want or not. Everything is dependent on this nervous system. So our autonomic nervous system is, uh, I call it our protective nervous system. And an analogy that I I find to be pretty helpful in describing it is I call it our own private special ops team, not for any military affiliation, but because a special ops team is the best of the best. Like it's very hard to get on a special ops team. Our nervous system is the best of the best. There are six primary members of this team. Some of them are 500 million years old and they have one primary purpose and mission and that that is to keep us safe and alive at all costs. That is the most important thing to this special ops team or autonomic nervous system within us. So the first line of defense in our autonomic nervous system is called neuroception, coined by uh, someone named Stephen Porges, who is the theorist behind polyvagal theory. So we all have this threat detector. Every millisecond of our entire lives, since the moment we came into this world, which is a millisecond is really fast, it's been doing this. It looks out into the world and it says, is that safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? Is that safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? Is that safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? All three of ours and everyone listening, uh, your threat detector is doing that right now. It has never stopped. It has never taken a break. And it's doing that because it loves us. It's really there to protect us. So it also looks internally, that's called interoception. Now, How does it decide what is safe, dangerous, or life-threatening? Well, each of us have what I call a database. Think of it like a computer system inside of our brains. This computer system is filled with every experience we have ever had. So the good things you've experienced, the wonderful, joyous things, the bad things, the hard things, and the really dangerous things, and the life-threatening things, they're all inside of the database. And if any traumas aren't resolved, as I mentioned, dangerous, life-threatening, they are in there too. So this database is how the threat detector decides if you were safe or not. That's it. And it decides it in a millisecond. So, for example, I look out my window. I see a tree. In a millisecond, my threat detector looks to the database and says, trees are nice. I grew up in New Hampshire. My house wasn't safe, but the woods were really safe. So I see nature. I, my threat detector says, that's safe. So, when our threat detector says that's safe, something in our lives is safe, it calls in one of the six members of our autonomic nervous system called our ventral vagal complex. And this is our state of regulation. This is the state that we all want to be experiencing. This is what healing is really about. This is the only way to a full, happy life is predominantly living in what's called our ventral vagal complex. And when we're here, Uh, It's as if this part of the special ops team, instead of standing in front of us, they're standing at our side. So when when they're standing at our side, this part of our nervous system, as you can see here, it allows me to be vulnerable, to step into the, the life I want, towards the things that I want, to be exposed, to be seen, to receive all of and flow down the river of life. That can only happen when I'm in regulation. So this is our state of regulation called our ventral vagal complex. And here's the thing. The only way to be spending time there is if our threat detector decides we're safe. So it's really what's, a, what's in this receptacle of information is really, really, really important. So that's one state that we go to. And so let's say I went through life relatively unscathed by trauma. I don't think any of us can go through life without trauma. But let's say that, you know what, I had caregivers who were really loving. I didn't have anything, uh, you know, overly traumatic happen to me. Then when I navigate life, my threat detector is going to think a lot of things are safe. It's going to think people are safe, receiving is safe, using my voice is safe, taking up space is safe. So I'm navigating life in this state of ventral, which is, again, what we're all looking for. That's really what somatic work is about. How can I be spending more time there? Now, in terms of trauma, which is what we we began to talk about, when we experience trauma, our threat detector looks out and says, that's dangerous or life-threatening. So uh, so it has some options to choose from. Now, if it thinks something is dangerous, but we can do something about it, meaning like that, that that isn't safe. But I think we might be able to fight this thing. I think we might be able to flee this thing or do something. It calls in our first line of defense, self-protection called our sympathetic nervous system. So the threat detector says that's dangerous, but we can do something. A simple example from, let's say evolution, when we were hunting and gathering, let's say I'm gathering and I hear something that sounds like a lion. My... Threat detector looks at the database and says, ooh, that's familiar. Maybe my cousin got eaten by a lion. Maybe I was attacked by a lion previously. Maybe my ancestors were attacked by lions. And my my threat detector says, how far away is the lion? And if it says, or if it decides, you know what, it's far enough away that we can do something, in a millisecond it calls in our sympathetic nervous system. And instead of this system standing at our side, it stands in front of us. The system's 300 million years old, just to give you a sense of how adaptive and powerful it is. And when we're here, a lot of people spend time in the state. It's all about the doing. So my system is going to get amped up. My system is saying, I have to get away from this theoretical lion, let's say. So when we're here, our heart rate increases. Uh, We open up something called our vagal break, which allows blood to rush to our hearts, and heart rate really increases. Everything in our body that is not necessary for survival begins to shut down. So our thinking brain starts to shut down because if I'm running from a lion, do I need to learn a new language or philosophize about existence? Of course not. And brains take a lot of energy. So we shut that off. This is why when you're here, if you try to read something, you might read an email six times and you're like, what am I reading? That's because your prefrontal cortex isn't working. So we shut that off because we need that extra energy for survival. Our our immune system, do we need that to function? Like, no, who cares about a cold? Shut that down. Our GI tract, do we need that functioning? No way. Who needs to digest the berries I just ate? We need to survive. And all of that extra energy goes to mobilizing, if that makes sense. So this is all mm-hmm. about the. Uh, more tension in our bodies, we will be able to run or fight uh, as, as much or as fast as possible when we are in this state. And there's an overabundance of energy in our bodies when we are here, because it's all about the doing. And if that state helped us in the past, meaning we were able to get out of situations in the past, our nervous system is going to say, that state works. That's going to help us because the world isn't safe, perhaps, to me. So I might find myself living in this this state of self-protection, this sympathetic nervous system. So that's one of the states of self-protection. We have two others. Another is called our dorsal vagal complex. And this is where we go when the threat detector decides what is occurring is more than just dangerous. I think it might be life-threatening for us, meaning I can't get away from that and I can't fight it. Many of us had childhoods where, you know, maybe our homes weren't safe environments, school weren't safe environments, just doesn't, of course, just have to be from a childhood. But if that was the case, our system says, I can't get away from that. And I can't fight that for you. But what I can do, my dear, which I think is so loving, it says, I can help you to leave your body so you don't have to feel the perpetual pain of what we can't stop. I just think like I, I was in this state for a couple of decades myself. And I think like, Wow when I learned the neuroscience behind that, it was so powerful to me because I was so let down by human beings. And to know Mm. this within me never let me down is just really remarkable. So when we go here, this state is like a bear in hibernation. It's our most intensive state of dysregulation. It's 500 million years old, but uh, it doesn't look like a lot because it's all about energy conservation. So think about a bear going into hibernation everything is shutting down. So this is where apathy, hopelessness, depression, dissociation, feeling in a funk, disconnected, I feel incapable or unable, I feel kind of numb, all of that is happening in this state. And I think it's really cool, every mammal has this autonomic nervous system, but uh, even like the antelope that's gonna be eaten by the lion, let's say, I mean, I could give myself to continue the analogy, but let's call it an antelope. Its system will go into dorsal, so that it doesn't have to feel the pain of getting eaten alive. I think that's just like a really remarkable thing. It's really fascinating to me. So uh, that state, if I needed that in the past, my system's gonna resource that in my present life. And then we have one more state that's called freeze. Now, freeze is our state of another state of self-protection, and we go. Uh, this state is equal parts our sympathetic nervous system and our dorsal vagal complex coming together. So that's two equal and opposite forces. One is saying I have to, lots of energy, and the other is an equal amount of shutting down energy. So when two equal and opposite forces come together like this, they render us stuck. So I like to think of this as having so much energy inside but being trapped. In it. So it's, I have to, but I can't. I have to, but I can't. I have to, but I can't. I have all this energy inside, but I'm trapped in it and I can't seem to move. Think like a deer in headlights. And so what occurs is, let's say I have all of these past traumas where it wasn't safe to use my voice, it wasn't safe to be seen. I I was made to feel like I didn't belong. Anytime anything has. Any flavoring at all of those past experiences, any flavoring, then what's going to happen is my threat detector is going to say that in my present life is like what's in the receptacle of information. What did we need to do then? We're going to do the same thing now all in a millisecond. We don't have any control over that because it's uh, subconscious, the threat detector. And so for many of us, if we've got a lot of traumas in that receptacle of past information, anytime something has a similar flavoring in our adult lives occurs, our nervous system is going to protect us in the form of this active self-protection. So it's, it's so important to understand not only because we can't change what we don't know, but also because so many people have been made to feel like something is wrong with them. They're broken. They're dysfunctional. And in fact, the opposite is true. Neuroscience shows us that there's nothing dysfunctional about our systems whatsoever. They are incredibly intelligent. They are communicating to every cell and organ in our bodies when we are regulated or dysregulated. And. Um, And I think that's just important to name because it's so common to feel that way. That makes sense.
1: Okay. I get it all. Um, and I think, yeah, we all react in different ways. And I, and I think for our listeners, you know, I think everyone's pretty much hearing clearly that something happens in our bodies that we really can't control based on our past traumas. And I think all the reactions are different. Um, And I know Kelsey, you were responding. There's a test that you give to Sarah, right? You give it on your website. And I, not that I failed the test. I had a difficult time taking the tests. It was
2: hard. The questions were hard.
1: I want to go over that with you. And Mm -hmm. then I said, okay, well, let me just take it from Maria. And then (laughs) that was hard as well. So... Let's. Can you tell us a little about the test, Sarah? First, then I want to have Kelsey because Kelsey actually went through the test yeah. and the where she ended up, and then what do we do with Kelsey? And then I'll tell you where I was struggling with the test myself.
3: Mm-hmm. So I have a. It's like a. It's a quiz, um, and it's not a quiz where. For anyone listening, some of some of us have a threat detector that says test quiz. Yeah, you're ah, right. You're right. Sorry. Just you're right. I like get shut down. She's like yeah. that's like a nervous survey approach.
1: quiz. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah.
3: Uh, But anyway, the whole point is the point of creating that is because we all have a specific state in our nervous system that we tend to hang out in the most, meaning we're most familiar, most familiar to us. That is to say, we also can have combinations like in my relationships. I might go into my sympathetic nervous system In my purpose. I might go into my state of freeze. So there can be a variety, but we all tend to have a predominant state that we hang out in. So the reason I created this quiz is because um, it's really important to gain an understanding of where do I hang out in my nervous system? And then we need to know what to do that's the second part of this. Like Mm -hmm. it's nice, to know information, but that is not going to regulate your nervous system or resolve trauma or make you feel better in your life. So the way that we regulate out of each state is different, which we can talk about. So the reason I created this quiz is so we can understand where do I hang out most in my nervous system? And then how do I talk to that state in a way it understands so that I can come into regulation? That's the purpose of the quiz.
2: Sarah, can you explain the difference between like the six states and then what you were just talking about? Like the the big kind of three, the dorsal, the yeah. like, what's the
3: difference between those? Mm-hmm. So those are part those are uh, I, I gave you the predominant four states in your nervous system. So ventral state of regulation. Then we have we actually have three states of regulation. So ventral. Then we have something called play. Play is a state where we're predominantly anchored in ventral, but we have like think of it like a splash of sympathetic. And the reason why we want that is because we want variety to regulation. Like there's sometimes where I'm, you know, I was having my cup of coffee this morning, sitting with my dogs. I was just in ventral, but there might be times where I am, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm dancing or playing games with friends or uh, telling a joke to somebody or being silly where I need more energy. So it's not just this like more level, you know, leveled out ventral, it has bursts of energy to it. So in order to have that occur, we need a little bit of of sympathetic energy because sympathetic really is just mobilization. So play is what's called a blended state, predominantly anchored in ventral with a little splash of sympathetic. There's a third state of regulation called stillness. Very, very important. And by the way, play and stillness are so important for uh, a whole life. Because in order to just to name this in order to learn, because people are probably like play, oh, I don't really like to play, what's the point of play? Um, play, the state of play is how we actually learn new things. So Play allows us to make mistakes, get things wrong, to not have self-judgment, to try things on. And if we're going to take steps in our lives, it's really important that we have the ability to do that. And play is what facilitates.
0: bonus wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. The other
3: state that's very important is called stillness and stillness is predominantly anchored in ventral, with a splash of dorsal. So think about if you've ever if you've ever watched a loved one or, uh, or an animal, a child sleep, and or a bird, you know, like land outside your window and there's this slowing down that occurs or you watch a sunset or a beautiful moment in nature. You don't wanna be like this. It would be really weird if I was like, hey, oh, that's really beautiful. There's a slowing down. So I'm so present or intimacy, whether that's emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, physical intimacy, whatever, uh, to really be connected, there's a slowing down that occurs that's beyond words. And that is really important to have close connection with others. But also this is a really, for anyone who struggles with sleep, This state is so important to begin to get good at because we need it in order to get into deep sleep at night, this slowing down. So now I'm back in ventral. You can see the difference. Those are really different experiences. So these three states of regulation, we want to, to really get good at them because they allow us to facilitate different human experiences that are super important. So those are three of the states. I said there were six Then we have three states of dysregulation or active self-protection. So ventral, I'm sorry, sympathetic, which I talked about, uh, mobilization. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to so much energy in my body. If I don't do this now, I'm not going to be okay. Here's some experiences of what that's like anxiety, worry, frustration, fear, terror, rage, panic, concern. I feel like I have to control things. If I don't look at my bank account all the time, maybe it'll fall apart and everything's not going to be okay. And my racing thoughts are all about how if I don't prevent against the bad things, something else will happen. But if I prevent that one thing, it's like the game of whack-a-mole and I whack the one thing and then another thing comes in and it just doesn't seem to stop. And it's, going, 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 going all the time. That's sympathetic. Now dorsal is the exact opposite. So now we're at state five. This is our other state of self-protection to recap. And that's that's a very intense state too, but it's a slowing down. The thoughts when we're here are going to be really different. They're going to be about regret. Things like this. It's too late for me. I married the wrong person and now it's too late. I'll never be able to do that thing. I'm not gonna be able to have the family I want or life I want. I don't belong. There's something wrong with me. I don't matter. Uh, it's never gonna change. I can't make it different. And we start, these states have varieties. So they're they're like an entire country, meaning it's not just all one thing. Dorsal starts at apathy. Like, eh, I'm in a funk, like, what do you wanna do? And I say to my partner, like, hey, let's go do that thing. And they're like, man, I don't wanna do that thing. And I'm like, but you really love that thing. Man, I don't. I don't really care. So everything just feels malaise. I feel numb. I start to feel a little disconnected. I start to feel shut down. I feel exhausted even though I slept. I start to feel hopeless. All of my senses actually become, uh, become softened. So uh, sound becomes muffled, everything seems gray. I feel like I'm kind of disappearing. I feel far away, just wanna crawl under the covers. I feel hopeless, depressed, dissociated. So that's dorsal, very opposite experience, the exact opposite of sympathetic. And then freeze as both of those together, It is a lot to be in freeze. So I have all of this energy inside, but I just can't seem to do the thing. And let's say that I really need to uh, send that email out that has the the confrontation flavoring to it. And in the past, confrontation wasn't safe. So I think about sending the email all day, but I don't actually send the email because it's too overwhelming to send the email. But I really need to send the email, but I can't send the email. And it's the whole Saturday and my friend is like, hey, are you here? And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but not really, because all I'm thinking about is sending the email that I can't actually send. Or starting that thing for my purpose that I really want to start, but my system is saying, no, you can't do that it's not safe to do that but no but you need to do that because you're behind someone's going to take your idea if you don't do this but no i can't do it because it's too much and we just stay in this place of chronically or constantly having all this energy but i can't uh which is really exhausting place to be so that's the six states three of regulation three of dysregulation
1: get it and you know what helps me sarah is like i think and this is where it was harder for me to answer the test when i think of what women have to go through um Just the fact that physically they can't, in most cases, defend themselves like a man. And the fact that, you know, there are predators out there. There's things that I don't need to be as afraid of. I'm aware of them, Mm -hmm. but I'm also not afraid because I know I can handle myself or they're not going to prey on me. Um, But it's helping me to understand why I do have situations with my friends who are girls. um, And they have those, I see them freeze. And then I see them whack-a-mole, I see, and they just, they become, they just, they're not themselves. And no matter what I'm going to say, reaches them. And it really gives me, I used to think like, oh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, that's a woman thing. And then we have our guy things where we're ridiculous, about our shit. but this is really giving me a much better understanding as to why scientifically and chemically, this is why their reactions are the way they are.
3: It's yeah, it's important to say. So, in that receptacle of information, right? It's all my past experiences, and and it's also very important to name that um, that nervous system regulation has privilege to it. What I mean by that is if I live, I do live in a white body, I have more privilege of nervous system regulation than someone who lives in in a body of color. And what I mean by that is because because of the experience of it's not safe for me to walk down the sidewalk. It's not safe for me to be pulled over. It's not safe for me to be in a workplace where I experience microaggressions uh, or racism or someone who's marginalized um, or um, someone who's transgender and, and marginalized in any way, of course right so when that occurs it's kind of speaking to what you're describing um for me the world is not as safe if i am if if i or yeah. or like you're naming being a woman for me walking in a parking garage at night is very different from you walking in a parking garage at night. And so what occurs is my threat detector says, am I safe here? Am I safe here? I don't know if I am. And so my system is going to protect me in times where yours might not be, or you're talking about women in your life. Their nervous system is going to have to protect them when yours might not. And so that component is just really important to name. I understand. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think, listen, I think, it, but I do, do think it hits everybody because yes. I know, I know guys now it makes sense to me that were beat up yes, when they were younger and are much more fearful. I also know I have this one doctor that he's a male doctor and he always has to have someone else in the room. We've known each other for years, but I yeah. think because he's been sued.
3: Yeah, exactly. But now
1: he is like, it's that's so it's so I really do think that everyone suffers from this and i think that but i do think that it makes me realize why um it's harder for some other people because they don't have they have more of um more things coming at them or maybe less ability to even they're not as equipped to defend themselves you know i mean like that's yeah yeah, i i i i see that now so kelsey when you took the test yeah where did you and by the way do i know the test has a lot of questions
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, in the test. Um, But where did you end up in the end? What, What was the assessment?
2: I was in freeze, which was made perfect sense. It was funny because going through the test, it was hard. Like sometimes it's hard to see like yourself in that light. Just the questions I was like, God, I don't, I don't know. But when I actually like sat and was present with it, It. I was like, okay, no, I know, I know. And sometimes, and Sarah, you can probably speak to this, but sometimes it's like two answers were right, but which one was like more right, you know? And so then I would choose that. And yeah, so I ended up in in freeze, which I would love for you to kind of go through the sticks, the six stages or like six states, excuse me, and like kind of tell us what you feel in those and like how we can help that because yeah, yeah. Would
1: you? Well, here's the Kelsey, because I keep. We're hitting a lot of science and a lot of mm-hmm. jargon, and I appreciate it, but we're, I really want to help people get to it. So, yeah. what do you do with Kelsey? Kelsey freezes like that's <laughs> her thing, and and you know what? That makes sense, Kelsey. I've seen you freeze.
2: Oh yeah, her eyes well, just water
1: it, up and her mouth closes, yeah. and that's it. And she just literally turns into looks like a yeah. whole different human being when
2: that's, she yeah. does.
1: So what yeah. do we? So so let's let's. Talk to Kelsey right now, because I think there's a lot of people going to relate to freezing. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I can also go through the other two, because I'm sure folks, you know. Feel- no, no. Let's just yeah. do this
1: one. And then yeah. I want to go through the other two, because the yeah, other yeah. two might be me and Maria. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. right.
3: So so here's the, before I give you a, a step-by-step process of what we want to do when we're in freeze, I just want to name this. Because people, people might be thinking this. I know I did. I was like, wait a minute. I have this receptacle of past information. Mine was filled with so much trauma because I have a complex trauma history. So I was like, so you're telling me, <laughs> what do I do here? Because I have this receptacle, this database that's going to keep saying I'm not safe. So here's what I want listeners to, to, to know and for us to know is that we can change what's in this database. Healing is so incredibly empowering. We can change what's in here. So every single moment, which I'm going to give Kelsey in a second, every single moment that we can come closer to regulation, where we can show, not tell our nervous system, hey, my love, this, talking to our nervous system, you think I'm not safe. We are safe. Every time you do that, it gets stored in this receptacle of past information of your in your database as, huh, what we thought was dangerous isn't. Might not be. Now, our nerve, our nervous system in the database is really, really wonderful in that we ha- it, it needs a lot of data, meaning it's not just going to say, well, one time you were safe. I'm not going to protect you anymore. No, it's like I need a lot of evidence that you're actually safe now. I love you so much. I'm not going to leave you exposed if I don't think you're safe. So, every single moment we regulate our nervous system, it's another experience that gets stored in there. Oh, we're safe. Another, we're safe. We're safe. We're safe. And the more that we do that, what begins to occur is as my nervous system looks out into the world and says, Oh, confrontation. What do we have on that? Instead of looking to my childhood where that wasn't safe, it now says, No, we have enough evidence that we are safe in these experiences now. And instead of me going into freeze, I feel regulated. and and so so I just want to give people an understanding mm-hmm. like this is tangible. We can do things to change this, and it changes our whole life. So freeze, again, is the experience of that just tells me, Kelsey, that in your past, freeze was the right choice it helped you in specific areas of your life, whether that was at home, in school, in past relationships, in high school and college. There was a point though, where that really worked, which is why your system uses it now. So when we're in freeze, It's really important to understand within our nervous system, there's a hierarchy. And I'll just briefly name this because it's how we come out of freeze. So that means that dorsal is at the bottom, meaning the most intensive. Then we have freeze in the middle. And then we have sympathetic. And then we have ventral at the top regulation. So if I'm in freeze, I've got dorsal and sympathetic. And that means to come towards ventral, I have to get rid of the dorsal first. And then I address the sympathetic. Really important. The natural inclination, have you noticed this, Kelsey? Because Kelsey, this is a natural inclination for people in freeze. When I'm in freeze, my impulse will be to do more, to bring more energy in, to break oh, out sure. of the freeze. Does that make yeah. sense? What I'm yeah. And I'm also a very,
2: like, already, I'm like a highly energetic person. Yeah. So it's just my go to.
3: It's, I'm like, yeah. yep, that's the easy, that's the easier route. Like, let's go. Right. Do more. Yeah. Right. So when we're in freeze, like to give an ex- to give an example, like let's say I really want to step towards this thing in my life, and I sit down at my computer, and then I feel frozen, like I can't do it, but I need to do it, but I can't do it. The inclination is I'm going to try harder, meaning like no step towards it. Is that resonant for you? Definitely. Make, okay. So you know that's that-
2: funny though, and maybe you can speak to this. I feel like yes, that always used to be me, and it still is a little bit now, but. I feel like more recently it's been more like it's gotten more into the dorsal hopeless where I'm just like, yeah, you know, like I used to be like, no, let's go harder at it. And now I'm kind of like,
3: okay, I'm like so tapped, you know? Yes. So I want to address two ways to come out of freeze. So the first is if for folks who are like feeling that um, I need to keep going at the thing, but I can't, or even if it's, mm. uh, a, there could be a mild freeze, someone from your family texts you and you're like, oh, should I, I got to respond to that? No, I can't do it. I'll do it later, but I need to do it. That's freeze. I need to do it. Oh, I can't do it. I'll, I'll get to it later, but I need to do it. Do you know I'm talking about that mild freeze? So (laughs) if we, if I try to force myself to go towards the, the, what my system thinks is a danger, I can guarantee that I'm going to increase the intensity of freeze. So it's going to go from being mild to more intense. Dang. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So if I force the 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 going towards it, that means I'm bringing in more sympathetic, more energized. But the rule of freezes, the rule is it's equal parts dorsal and sympathetic. So if I bring in more energy, more dorsal is going to show up. So it's just going to intensify the experience, which is what we don't want to do. So if someone is fr- is in freeze around a particular external thing the text, the starting the business you want to start, having the intimate conversation. What's What I want you to do is, I want you to momentarily turn away from the thing that is causing the freeze because your system is saying that thing is dangerous. And if I keep going towards it, I'm going to guarantee more freeze. So instead, what I invite is, not that we're not going to come back to it, but I'm going to momentarily turn away from it. And then I need to go do something to tease out the the dorsal part of that meaning to get rid of the part that's keeping me stuck the uh, an analogy i use with freeze imagine a finger you remember those little toys the finger trap
1: finger pops yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
3: that is the state of freeze so what happens is mm. what's the natural inclination how do you want to get your fingers out by oh. pulling too hard but if you pull too hard you get wow. stuck that's right that's what freeze oh. is like that's why we don't want to add more energy and in. instead what do you do you push your fingers together and slowly pull them out That is how you come out of freeze. So we turn away from the thing that I'm frozen around momentarily. And now what I need to do is that slow pulling my finger out, which is getting rid of some of that dorsal. And so what I want you to think about is how can I mobilize, meaning complete something, uh, which creates that movement in my body again and complete something that isn't a threat to me. Here's a very simple example. Uh, go water plants in your house. Like likely you ha- don't have a th- your threat detector likely does not say plants are dangerous unless like you ate a poisonous plant one time or, you know, whatever. Probably not. So guess what's going to occur? Your threat detector is going to say our oh, plants are safe and it's going to allow you to loosen the grip. I can do this thing. I can mobilize or I'm going to uh, unload the dishwasher. I'm going to go fold that thing of laundry. I'm going to do so
1: engage in a safe activity.
3: That's right. When okay. That's right. That can allow a loosening of that dorsal. Uh, and then, so this is specific to something that I'm stuck, like there's a specific thing that's causing freeze. Then what I want you to do is when you turn back to that thing, we know that your threat detector is saying the totality of it is too dangerous. And so what we need to do is something that I call implementing tolerable steps. Now, a tolerable step means two things. Number one, it doesn't feel good. The reason it doesn't feel good is because your nervous system is going to say, I don't think that's safe. But the very important second component of it is I can complete the step. That's what makes it a tolerable step. If you can't complete it and you go back into freeze, it's too big. So let's say I have to have a confrontational conversation with a loved one or my boss or whatever. Uh, And if I think about just having the conversation, I go into freeze. So instead, that means a step is too big. So practically speaking, this might be something like I'm not even going to write the email that I need to write in my computer. I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to jot down a couple of things that I feel about this. I'm not even, we're not having the conversation. I'm not doing the thing, but I'm taking this step towards it. Does that make sense? Which will still bring up some activation, but I can complete it. And then we do another tolerable step and another tolerable step and breaking down those steps in a way that our nervous system senses is safe, safer, allows us to actually, actually mobilize through them. So that's just one component of freeze. That's just really important to understand how we want to tease out that dorsal. And there are a couple of other uh, there, are, of course, there are therapeutic somatic tools. And I can give uh, listeners a couple that or give you a couple, Kelsey, that people can do when we find ourselves in freeze. And these are ways that we what I describe is talking to our nervous system. But there are also felt sense uh, experiences that we can do. Now, when it comes to freeze, we want to bring in small amounts of mobilization. So that means small amounts of movement. One thing that can be particularly helpful, and by the way, some of these I'm going to share are going to be helpful. What you'll find is they're helpful in other states as well. Not all, these are called regulating resources. This is how we talk to our nervous system and show it we're safe. But it's really important to know that, that there are some things that we do in some states that are not helpful in others. But for dorsal, some things that can be helpful. First, breathing is a direct route to regulation. And we can use our breath to bring us into regulation. When we are in freeze or sympathetic, we want to uh, get online our parasympathetic system. And so this the way that we do this, which means coming into regulation, the way that we want to do this is shorter inhalations, and longer exhalations. So a really simple breathing, um, uh, way of breathing when you're in freeze is something called the four, seven, eight breath. Means you inhale through your nose for four seconds, hold your breath for seven seconds, and you exhale through your mouth. And this is very important, like you're blowing out a candle because we wanna slow down the rate of air leaving your lungs. And we do that for three times. So three times in a row, inhale for four, hold for seven, exhale through your mouth for eight seconds. <sighs> nice and slow. What that does, I've said before, regulation is show, not tell. We have to show our nervous system it, we are safe instead of telling it. And this, just one example of you know hundreds, is a way that we can talk to this system in a way that it understands. What, I'm, what you would be saying to your system, Kelsey, is, hey, you don't think I'm safe? I know you don't think I'm safe right now, but I promise you I am, and I'm going to show you. Let me show you through this breathing. And then your nervous system responds and says, oh, maybe we're safe. And the result of that is you come out of freeze a little bit more. That makes sense so far? Absolutely, yeah.
2: And it makes sense to what you were saying, because I know briefly yesterday, and I found this fascinating, that you were talking about like, sometimes people think like breathing classes or like the fast breathing can help. And you're like, no, it does the exact, exact opposite. So the slow breathing when you're in this state absolutely makes sense.
3: Yeah. Very important that it's shorter inhalation, longer exhalation. What I was saying um, uh, Kevin was that it's so important that we like what I see online a lot, like as the word trauma has become a buzzword, There's a lot of people talking about it and there's so much misinformation because this is a really, it's such a complex topic. And so people see something like regulating your nervous system and maybe everything is good for your nervous system. Not true. It's dependent on the state we are in. So for example, what's become really popularized is like breathwork classes. Not that there's, that can't be good, but if you are in freeze or sympathetic, sympathetic that mobilizing place, your system is hyped up, it's amped up. And so imagine if like a lion again was chasing me and I said, hey, do some hyperventilating breathing right now, meaning like um, or Kundalini breath like this. (laughs) All you're doing is putting gas on the fire. You're signaling to your nervous system, we aren't safe, we aren't safe, we aren't safe. And people think that it's helpful because what happens is a lot of cathartic emotion comes out But that's really coming from dysregulation. If you are in a state of sympathetic or freeze already, that's not going to be something that we want to do. Um, Really important to understand that. And and, and because what usually happens is someone does something like that and then they end the breathwork session and they feel kind of out of it. Like, oh, I feel kind of fuzzy and weird. That's not regulation. You just went down your nervous system into a deeper state of dysregulation into a mild dorsal. So breathing is really, really important. Um, Another thing, uh, and then I can share about some of the other states, but another thing that can be very helpful in freeze is vibrational sound. So specific vibrations speak to our, our vagus nerve and show our systems, hey, we're actually safer than you think. And these, this has been happening, you know, the thing is like, these are so, this is such intuitive work, somatics and and healing. It's been happening for thousands and thousands of years and chanting in, um, and tribal, um, experiences in religion, all of that. Like it's, it's, it's vibrational sound. And that component actually brings us into regulation. There's a specific sound that I like to use that comes from Peter Levine, who's the creator of somatic experiencing his body of work. It's the sound VOO, V-O-O. So this particular vibrational sound, when made in a low register, so lower than our speaking voice, can help to uh, to essentially to simplify it, let our systems know the coast is clear and that clues to our system we can come into ventral. So I'm going to make the sound for you. Uh, I'll, I'll make it for you in a way that we don't want to do it in a, a higher pitch, and then I'll show you how we want to do it. So this would be how that natural inclination, how a lot of people might make the sound coming from their chest like this. <clears throat> we don't want to do that because we want to, we actually want to send it down to our gut or our viscera, where the lower part part of our vagus nerve is. So that vibration then can help support us to come towards regulation. So instead, we want to make the sound like this. I usually like to put a hand on my chest and stomach, imagining the vibration in your stomach and making a sound like this. Boo continuing till there's no air left. Do that three times. And then after we regulate, anytime we regulate everybody, we want to rest and notice. Rest and notice what is different. So the things I just gave, if you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, how is a vibration and how is breathing going to change my life? Well, I really want you to know that, that there's so much complexity in what occurs when we use regulating tools, meaning what is happening in our physiology is that every single organ and system is being talked to. It's being talked to and saying, essentially the message is going out. Hey, I think we might be safe. I think we might be safe. I think we might be safe. And that communication, depending on where we are in our nervous system can take anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes to, to fully complete. But even after a few seconds, we'll notice a shift. So what I want you to, what I want everyone listening to do is rest and notice And here's some things we want to look for when we regulate. I feel more present in here. I am more aware of my body in the space around me. I took a deeper reflexive breath instead of my breath being restricted, like I was able to take a deeper breath. Heat in our hands, feet, face, and head. Tingling in our body, specifically hands, feet, face, and head. Uh, Yawning, burping, gurgling of our stomach passing gas, which is so funny. It's like a joke among somatic somatica therapists and practitioners. The reason that happens is because our GI track uh, and digestive system shuts down when our when we're dysregulated. So when we become regulated, it's like the light switch turns back on. So there can be some gurgling occurring. So
1: this is all good thing. All these Good, things.
3: good, good, good. Very good. Yes. Those all are clues that we're coming towards regulation.
1: And I love this. I love these practical, the 478 and the, the VU method. Yeah. Now, are you you recommend this when you have an acute moment like you freeze or is this something you practice just every morning? What, what do you recommend?
3: I'm so glad you said that. So the natural inclination when I work with folks and, and was mine uh, is I'm going to pull upon these tools when I'm dysregulated. The issue with that is to go back to the analogy of a special ops team, it would be super weird if a special ops team, like I don't even know what their main person is called, but imagine I'm that and I get, hand out everybody on a piece of paper, like, here's your mission. <clears throat> you're going to jump out of a helicopter at 3 a.m., you know, into the ocean. You're going to swim uh, this degree northwest for four miles Then you're going to dig this tunnel and blah, 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 blah. And they read it once and then I expect them to follow the mission. There's no way it wouldn't be possible. What they do is they practice in safety again and again and again. That's called creating neural networks uh, and neural pathways. Think of that like a highway in your brain. So it's a reflex. Like, I have a strong neural pathway to make my coffee in the morning. I don't have to think about it. I know what to do or brush my teeth or drive my car because I've done it so much. So with regulating our nervous system, if we don't consistently practice when we're closer to regulation, what occurs is when we're dysregulated, we won't have that highway or the reflex to pull upon the regulating tools. And we'll be like, wait, what to do? I don't know what to do. I can't, you know, and we're just stuck in the same cycling of dysregulation. So the way to regulate your nervous system is a lot like working out. Imagine that if I said, so, so let's say I'm I'm freeze dominant. <clears throat> and uh, I'm gonna use an analogy of like, let's say I wanna grow my biceps. And I said to you, Kevin, I did you know bicep curls and pushups one day last week or last month. Why aren't my arms bigger? You wouldn't be like, I wonder, that's really weird. You would say, Sarah, you have to do this more consistently. If you do it more consistently, your muscle grows. So when it comes to regulating our nervous system, it's just like that, just like the concept of lifting weights. You have to be consistent and the muscle grows. When you are consistent with these neural pathways and what are called neural exercises, think of it like a rep at the gym. Every time you consistently do it, it reshapes your nervous system, meaning your nervous system starts to come towards regulation more and more and more. So what I invite folks to do, is I invite everybody to set an amount of alarms to go off in your phone per day. Not an alarm that's just regulating for you, but like a nice sound. Or you can use sticky notes, whatever. And let's say that's six times or 10 times a day. And when it goes off, your job is to ask yourself, where am I in my nervous system? Now, when I'm working with folks, I create maps of their nervous system, like an actual map that you can pick up and it'll tell you where you are. So, but for now, you can ask yourself, do I have too much energy and I'm moving around all the time? That's a, And you feel like you have to now, that's a clue you're in sympathetic. If you feel like you can't and you're shut down, no energy, that's a clue you're in dorsal. And if you feel like you have all this energy, I have to, but I can't, freeze. So you ask yourself where you are, and then all you do is one thing to regulate your nervous system. Now, I've given a couple of therapeutic tools. I can give some more of those. But at the same time, we all have things in our life that bring us regulation. We just typically don't use them all the time. This is, I invite anyone listening to create a list of anything that registers as good for you, that helps you feel more here. So there's a real difference between numbing. We all know what that's like to pick up your phone. You're supposed to look at your calendar and somehow Instagram opened and it's been 40 minutes. What just occurred? I don't know. That's not a regulating tool. That's a coping strategy. You just numbed yourself. So numbing is is a, a strategy to get away from the activation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that makes you feel here. Simple, simple things. So um, being in nature, exercising, listening to music that brings you into regulation, um, uh, swaying, tapping, humming, um, doing an activity that is supportive for your, your nervous system. Um, <clears throat> a couple of other things. Um, oh. Oh. I always invite folks to have a folder on your phone of videos of things that bring regulation. So I have a whole folder that's just nature uh, an ensemble of nature because i really like nature and animals so when i look at that and i'm really present to it it brings me closer to ventral you can also uh if there are particular people that bring you into regulation you don't have to be in person with them even videos this is this is something called mirror neurons meaning nervous systems read each other there's people's voices who are regulating to you could have been a grandparent Mm -hmm. for me I've got a folder, this is going to sound really weird, but with Bob Ross videos and Mr. Rogers, because they were like pinnacles. of No, you're
1: right. They're both amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you?
3: And they're regulating, right? Because they're so regulated. When I would, when I, as a kid, that was, that was my safety. So if I, if I listen to, there's probably people who don't know who Bob Ross is, but he would pay, create a really cool painting in 30 minutes. Uh, but his voice is really regulating. So he's actually, had
1: a, no, he's actually had a comeback in his popularity. The younger generations know him. It's fascinating. They do? They, they, oh, they good. shouldn't, but they do. Yeah. It's, oh, thank it's,
3: God. I'm dating myself.
1: Yeah. yeah um, no, no, no. He's a very anyway, special guy.
3: Yeah. So and like
1: all special humans, of course, he had to get screwed. But yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. we'll leave that to the yeah. side. Um, exactly. You know, for, for Maria, it's dog photos. It's yeah, it's exactly. photos of our dogs and videos that's of our dogs. Right. And she, I can't tell you how many moments Maria's been in hospitals or major yes. traumas. And she'll pick up her phone and she'll see the homepage of one of our dogs.
3: That's right. And then
1: that, that's, yeah, so.
3: Because interesting. what just to go back to everything we talked about. This is how intricate the system is. Her threat detector is saying, what does this remind me of? And it reminds her of love, safety, connection, peace. And in a millisecond, she goes into regulation as a result. So having these, we all have, I call it a toolbox for regulation. We want to create our toolbox. And then when the alarm goes off, you do something to regulate. And this is, I am doing a rep at the gym. And And all I want you to look for is do i feel any more here 1% more here we're not looking for feeling like the best experience of my life ever but you know what i took a little deeper breath i feel i feel a little more present a little more here all that energy that was in my body is dissipated just a little still yeah. still has a lot of it so but it's a little less and the more you do this consistently the more your nervous system regulates and,
1: and you mentioned some activities too sarah you know in in this do you have is Kelsey's activities different than mine or do you have some standard yeah. activities? That they're
3: different.
1: They're different. Okay.
3: Well, there some, it could
1: be doing the dishes, right. And some, it could be, you know, for me, I always say this, I clean up the dog poop every morning yeah. and you know, and it's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm taking care of my babies and oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing something constructive and making the house better. I don't know why, but it, every morning it seems like it resets me.
3: Absolutely. By the way, I so some our, our whole our whole culture is made for dysregulation. We live in a society that is not made for us to be regulated. Like <laughs> we aren't supposed to be on Zoom screens for 10 hours a day. We're this is not what we're supposed to We haven't evolved no, past hunting and gathering, right? We're supposed to be no. up with the sun, like, like touching things, doing touching people, doing things, resting. So anyway, what I do, because I'm on Zoom a lot, I will I have dogs in, in my backyard of my house. I Certainly, I could I could have someone do that for me, but I don't. I pick up my dog poop. The reason why, I do it in between sessions sometimes. So because it lets my system, I'm I'm next to the earth, I am outside, and I'm completing mm. something. I'm actually connected. Yeah. And that brings regulation. So so don't underestimate the things you already have in your life, like I'll join yeah. you in that, Kevin, that bring regulation for us.
1: And that and doing dishes, I'll do the- yes. uh- I'll well, do the dishes. Like, no, Kim, you know.
2: I'm or like for me, it's organizing. Like last night, I did. It was funny because Sarah and I talked yesterday, and then I did a workout class that I knew would not be good for me because it was too like too amped. And I got home and I was so amped. So I'm not kidding you. I literally organized all of my glasses like an ocd crazy person but it like makes me feel so much better and
1: and don't you feel better even today that they're when you saw it today is that why sorry i've been told by other therapists that's why they term it occupational therapy that Mm. kind of therapy because for that reason
3: yeah we, we and it's it's honestly it's it's really somatic which similarly to occupational therapy is somatic um because my system is able to do something And so what we're looking for is our system to be able to, when we've been trauma is an experience of just to, to understand trauma is I am, I was not able to, to basically helplessness in the face of, of terror or fear, which is a way that Peter Levine describes it. Uh, So when I'm able to actually do, I can do this now. I, I can actually do this for myself and which is a part of defending ourselves too. It's really, um, uh bringing trauma resolution instead of feeling immobilized like i can't
1: okay kelsey <laughs> kelsey who freezes uh-huh uh and uh wow very interesting
2: it was kind of it was wild after i took that test to kind of understand because i thought that and she even said it she's like you're not crazy i do go so high and low i go to that dorsal and i go to the um like super high freak out and so it's funny that there's actually a word that encompasses both so I was like wow I'm not crazy and I'm just freezing and now I have some tools that I can help myself
1: yeah well it's funny because when I see you freeze you know you your body even shakes a little bit because behind Mm. the frozen is all the the energy
2: yeah oh yeah but it's
1: trapped in you and you're frozen Mm
2: -hmm. exactly
1: um so do you think Kelsey I mean what you do I mean like legit do you think you'll go deeper with this
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, to be completely honest, it's going to be hard for me to set my alarm four to six times a day and do breathing techniques. Like I'm just going to be honest. It's just hard to fit into my day, but I think one or two times and I think like having a conversation, I really do think talk therapy, yes, can only get to the surface, but I know with my therapist, like when I bring her stuff like this, we dive deeper into it. And most talk therapists can also go into somatic. And I know for me so much is stored in my body and it's releasing that it's exactly what she was talking about. So yeah, I think like,
1: you know, but I think Kelsey really it's, and and again, it's the time, but getting the map, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, yeah, we can apply these. It's good. At least we can apply these techniques when we're in these like crisis modes. Right. But what you're saying about training your body um, To not react this way. So you don't have to put the fire out. So the fire never really starts. Right. But I think that's about, you know, she said she creates, the, her company creates a map mm-hmm. that obviously would be tailored toward yours, would be different than mine. But I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I, here's the thing. It's like a lot of things we learned in the show. I believe in it. It makes perfect sense to me. And it really spoke to me. Now it's just, finding the time
2: Well, that's what i mean right it's i'm like, like when you said set it for six times a day i'm like uh, girl
1: i don't have time to do know, that you know american culture man we just go we are stacked and yeah. overworked and yeah it's hard but uh but it, but i listen i think if we did that things would get better that Definitely. i do but anyway all right so part two kelsey we're gonna talk we'll go even deeper with this
2: Yeah, part two, for those of you who didn't feel seen in this first part, which I'm sure a lot of you did, but part two, we really go into people who are more in dorsal states um, and then more in sympathetic states which it's interesting i feel like i used to be in more of a th- sympathetic state and i've come to more of a freeze but anyways yeah so you guys get your you yeah, for, get some you of your people cool. that
1: really turn into zombies when this happens is the most extreme case or, or um,
2: hyper flight mode
1: yeah so hyper flight mode yeah, yeah th- this is good and then we even got into parenting mm-hmm. you know it, 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 when you're a parent and you hit these moments and how how it affects your kids but how you can you can resolve that as well so uh okay tomorrow to. And um, as we say in Boston, we'll talk to you shortly
2: and be nice people, make good choices (laughs) and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenounos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menunos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menunos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.
0: Well, that's it for today, Heal Squad. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you don't forget to take care of yourself today. I'll be making sure I'm not forgetting to get outside, do my meditations, and of course, keep myself fueled with some sweet, chilly, wonderful pistachios. Wonderful pistachios, as you know, are my go-to when hunger strikes because they're one of the highest protein nuts providing all nine essential amino acids, and they're great for on-the-go snacking. So when you're ready to elevate your snacking game, visit wonderfulpistachios.com to grab a bag.